Hey guys, Deb Whitkus here, two-time Emmy-winning TV producer and sports journalist. You are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the ProSource Podcasters. I'm your host, Mr. Neemals Bruce, a.k.a. NWB. And I am joined by Mr. Kobe Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. This is a great time of year. We've got the uh, like the gauntlet of sports happening right now. So it's fun as somebody who covers sports. There's a lot to cover. And if you're watching the Canadian men's team against Belgium the other day, you would have seen the Canadian press, which is John Herdman's way of going after the ball and getting it into his opponent's faces. But we're going to talk about a Canadian press of a different kind. And one of the erstwhile reporters out in Winnipeg, it is none other than Judy Owen. Judy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. That's a great intro. Thank you very much. Oh, you're most welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on. And there's a lot to get into. We record today on a Thursday, which happens to be the same day that the Toronto Argonauts held their championship rally after winning the 109th Grey Cup. There was champagne flowing. There's a lot of fog as well, but we'll leave that alone. Tell us about the other side of the ball. It was a, it was an intense game, a very close result. Could have gone either way, but what's the mood like in Winnipeg right now? Uh, head coach Michael Shea had his uh, press conference season ending one with the media this morning. And so he was asked how, um, you know, players are feeling and how much does it sting and how long before you get it out of your mind? And he says, you won't get it out of your mind forever. He said that a, a loss like that stays longer than the f- great feelings of a championship. And uh, so, yeah, he was having exit meetings with the players today and, and said they're still really, really uh, disappointed. I mean, they, they were going for a three-peat and they always say, that's not our focus, that's not our focus. but. Uh, you know, they are, I think, like their fans, shocked by the outcome because Toronto was the underdog. Absolutely. But at the same time, Toronto does have a knack of winning the Grey Cup when they do make it to the big dance. So it is it's a, it is a very strange but um, successful stat that they've been able to win the last seven, I believe. It is seven, they yeah. They've played the Bombers seven times and they've won seven times. How about that? That's um, they're they're becoming the bogeyman for the Blue Bombers. Exactly. And now, Judy, in your time covering the CFL, do you remember a Grey Cup that had a special teams that made that much of a difference in in the final? Well, there have been. I started covering the CFL um, when I was a sports reporter for Winnipeg Sun about uh, ninety five, and then I was the beat reporter. For the Bombers in 96, 97, 98. So, yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of uh, Grey Cups that have been won, you know, 
by a, a last second field goal, which, uh, you know, the Bombers were set up to do that. And then the Argos uh, block them. So, yeah, I mean, special teams is key and turnovers are, are always key. And when it comes to what the the crowds in Winnipeg expect, I mean, we had the return of the Winnipeg Jets just not too long ago. Is there a division in that city between Jets fans and Bombers fans? Are they one of the same? Did the Bombers lose a fair amount of market share? What's happened there? No, you know, it's it's pretty equal. Obviously, the stadium holds 30,000 and, you know, the downtown rink holds 15,000. I think that the fans here get behind both teams, but the Bombers have had more success. So I think sometimes it does, you know, go more in, in their favor. But then the NHL is really popular. I mean, part of it, too, is is just you know, how popular the NHL is in, in North America with, you know, people in hockey pools. I'm in a couple of hockey pools myself and the betting. So, yeah, I think uh, it, there's they've got equal numbers of fans. And coming out of the pandemic, do you think the CFLs had a successful season? I think they have, but I don't think they're uh, increasing the salary cap this year. But again, you know, there's still the 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 teams that uh, you know haven't gained a lot, like like Toronto. But then when you look at the new owner for the BC Lions, he's really got interactive, and they've had some really big crowds there. So, I mean, the CFL is always that little league that just keeps chugging along because it's got such a, a deep fan base. For sure, for sure. And you mentioned that as a little league. Do you think it's time they expanded or no? I think they need to go to Atlantic Canada, like they've been talking about. I think they need 10 teams. And, you know, there's always discussion about, well, you know, what the, they would need a, a big stadium there. And then there's the travel costs. But I think you have to have that coast to coast feeling. But yeah, for sure, don't go back into the States again, because we all know what happened with that one. It was uh, quite an embarrassment. Ah, uh, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you along the way there. Yes, going into the 48 states down below, not a good idea. But Judy, I put this to you: What about going up north to Alaska? Because they're crying out for a pro sports team. Wow, that hasn't even crossed my mind, and I don't even know if I've seen that uh, pitched out there. Ah, geez, could they? I mean, they would need probably a covered stadium for sure. And, and what kind of a numbers of, of fans would they have? I think they would go to Atlantic Canada before they even think about that. For sure. I, I, I definitely agree that Halifax and the Atlantic region is the next cab off the rank. But at the same time, I feel like if you went up north, you're going to a place that will be very similar to Saskatchewan. The whole region would get behind the team. But anyway, it's just uh, thinking aloud there. Um Send an email to Randy Ambrosi. <laughs> Send, give me his email and I'll make it. I, I, I got a few ideas. As a, someone who didn't grow up with a sport, I got a few alternative ideas. Anyway. He needs ideas sometimes, that's for sure. <laughs> it is worth pointing out that um, at the, I guess, the state of the game speech that he gave just for the Great Cup, he mentioned that he was going to revert 
the first two weeks of the playoffs to Saturdays. Yes. But with the Grey Cup remaining on Sundays. What's your take on that? You know, I think that'll help. Although I've always wondered, like, do would you not get 30,000 and, and a good viewership if it was on a Sunday when when the NFL season really is just its mid part of the season. I really just don't know if that's a factor, but you know, a Saturday might be better, like they've said for, you know, the winners having that extra day for travel and preparing for the Grey Cup. So I don't see anything wrong with that. I would though like to see the the season uh, moved up one or two weeks. There's Mm. always a thought that, you know, it butt heads with, you know, the NHL, but I think, uh, you know, who who would want such cold weather at the end of November that some of the Grey Cups have been? I mean, it was pretty good in Regina, but I, I'd like to see it moved up a couple weeks. All right. Well, I've got another oddball idea, so buckle up. After we're done with Atlant- the Atlantic region, what about a team in the Caribbean? Well, geez, their football is soccer, so I'm not too sure about that. And then again, you know, it's the travel, it's the expenses. I, I, I don't. I think they would go back to the states before they, you know, head across the water. Well, it would solve the issue of holding the Grey Cup in a <laughs> in a cold climate, and I, you'd already had the pitches ready to go, um, and you've got an athletic pool that hasn't really been tapped, to be honest, in terms of football i feel like there would be some players i mean you look at the heritage of many of the players who are in the cfl many of them have that caribbean heritage mm-hmm. again just thinking aloud well, um <laughs> another message for randy ambrosi that's, that's right I, I got bullet points for mr ambrosi so <laughs> i definitely have to have a routine with him at some point now galaxy brain ideas aside tell us more about your journey because You've been covering sports for quite a while, and you're you're also, I guess, you're in a unique position because, whether we like it or not, sports and journalism are pretty male-dominated. Pretty male-dominated? Yes. Yeah, Kobe accentuated it. So tell us a bit about that journey. Well, I'd always been interested in sports, and had a boyfriend in high school take me to bomber games and i just kind of fell in love with a cfl game and uh when i went to journalism school when i came out i was a news reporter at the winnipeg sun but i just always loved sports so uh when the 1991 gray cup was held for the first time here in winnipeg um, i was the assistant city editor so i i coordinated all the coverage of it and it was a big success from here and they had an opening uh, the next spring in 92 for a sports reporter to do, you know, big feature writers. So I did. But at the time, there was only a few uh, female sports reporters in Winnipeg. There was Robin Brown from CBC Radio, Ashley Press from the Free Press, and not too many across the country. So, you know, we kind of s- stuck together. But, you know, sometimes... People have said, well, you know, female sports reporters, they're going into the locker rooms and that shouldn't be allowed. And so there, you know, there has been some resistance, you know, along the way. Cal Murphy, the former uh, head coach and GM of the Bombers, he actually shut the locker room back around, was it 94, 95? 
tell all reporters and, and it was seen as his way of not having the female reporters in there. So all the reporters had to ask for their players to come out of the locker room and do interviews that way. Well, there was a big kerfuffle and Cal finally changed his mind. But I do remember, you know, when all reporters were allowed back in the locker room that a couple times I think he came in just to see how the females were handling themselves. And you know what, I've always been conscious of, of that and being in a locker room because, you know, frankly, I'm, the players don't want to, you know, they don't feel that comfortable when they're undressed if there's a female around. But I've always kind of had this thing that I do is when I am in the locker room, I make sure if I'm talking to a player, I turn my back towards the rest of the locker room. And when I'm walking from one player to another, I keep my head down at the floor. Like I, I just respect their privacy. Although nowadays, most of the players are, are dressed before they're in the locker room. But I often get said by people, oh, you're a female, you get to see the naked guys in the locker room. And I say, you know what? I'm there for a quote, not a thrill. Mm -hmm. So I've had, I've had that happen, but I've also had some uh, good interactions with, with players. There was uh, one time in the bomber dressing room, there was a TV crew in there. And I think the female camera person was waiting for the reporter to come in. And she was just kind of standing in the middle of the room. And then one of the offensive linemen came over to me and he said, Judy, can you tell that woman to stop gawking? So later on, I, I mentioned that conversation to the reporter. I don't think she was doing that. I think she just was uncomfortable and was un, unsure how to handle herself. So for the most part, you know what? I've been treated really well. One thing that inevitably happens if a coach will swear, they'll look at me and they'll apologize. <laughs> and I'll just laugh because if my coworkers uh, can tell you, boy, if I'm on deadline, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I can give it with the best of them. That's for sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> ah, but let me, oh, now, now this reminds me of probably the most interesting story. Back with the first Jets. I was uh, doing a feature on a player and I was sitting on the player's seats in the locker room, like their, their long bench by their lockers, and I was talking to Teppo Newman. And I happened to be facing the wider part of the dressing room. And as I'm talking to him and I'm writing my notes, I can feel this hush in the locker room, like it kind of gets quiet. And then all of a sudden I look up and a player who I've never named had walked all the way across the locker room with no clothes on to a, a, a big water cooler that was near where I was. And then he walked back and you know what? I just kept my head down and, and kept taking my notes and asking my questions because I knew that he just wanted to get some kind of a reaction out of me so yeah back then it's been pretty bad but I, I've, I'll say that I've been really lucky that you know they treat me really well good good stuff sign up to SoRare the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform scout 
collect and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. Showcase your skills and go head-to-head -head with managers from around the world to rise up the weekly rankings and earn rewards. Yes, Silver Arrow is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. This is something that is available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game, which includes this year's 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. So what are you waiting for? Get involved, get in the game, get some cards, and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? Yes. All you have to do is sign up. Kobe showed me. It's, it's really that simple. You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because process podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if you ever felt sort of disregarded or maybe like you were in the wrong place by someone who felt she shouldn't be asking these questions. It should be coming from a man. Uh, not so much uh, that. I mean, you know what, guys? I'm aware that I haven't played their level of sport and I haven't played football and I haven't played hockey. So you know what? I'm not going to get into the big X's and, and O's analysis. That That's why I've always keyed on trying to do a lot of stories that show, you know, the readers, the players as, as people, you know, people that have this really specific great skill. So, you know, there was one time, though, I was on the road uh, with a Manitoba moose and I had done a story on a player who had during the summer in their off season, they had done, uh, they had went out with the Detroit police on uh, drug busts. And I thought that was a great, interesting story. And yet I know one of the other reporters kind of looked down his nose. I, you know, kind of, I overheard him about, you know, he didn't say silly story, but I could tell that he didn't think that that was a very good hockey story. But he was a guy who once uh, wrote about the left wing lock. And, and, and you tell me, you know, what reader wants to read more about a player going out uh, with the police or, you know, a system thing like that. To, to me, I think you, you want that human angle mm -hmm. with your stories if you can. Okay, no, I, I I figured that. And is there anyone that you sort of modeled yourself after when it comes to being a, a sports journalist? Well, um, Ed Tate uh, had been a, the beat reporter for the Bombers. Uh, and then he left to be a columnist in Saskatoon. I think it was 1996. And that that's when I took over the beat. Mm -hmm. And he's now current. Then he went to the free press. And then um, he's the senior reporter for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And he is just a great writer, 
gets along well with people and is respected by staff and players. And so I've always tried to handle myself like, like him. And then, uh, Paul Friesen is a reporter and columnist with the Winnipeg Sun, and he just has lovely turns of phrases. And he, when he asks his questions, he's very careful about, he doesn't come off as accusing or anything like that, yet he can ask the tough questions and has just a really good style of his writing. So I, I've tried to emulate myself, you know, with those guys in particular. Are you a big movie fan? Not particularly. Okay, but are there any movies that have to deal with journalism that you enjoy? You know, I can't, uh, one doesn't come off the top of my head right now. I mean, I was a big fan of the Newsroom, the TV series. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, I haven't watched that one. Though, I mean, sometimes those shows, they always portray, uh, you know, a, a pack of reporters yelling and, and screaming out questions, and, and really that's, that's not how it is too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess some of the, some of the things, Kobe and I, we've, we're entertainers, so we spent time on sets, and I think Kobe will agree that there's times when the director <laughs> suggests something and you think, that would never happen in real life, particularly when it's sports. I did a soccer convention once, and this director comes to us and is like, okay, I need to do this celebration. He wants us to like, I guess this is audio, but it was just like kiss our hands, like, like, um, Avida Peron, like, kiss, like, we're blowing kisses after scoring a goal. It was like, I've never seen anyone do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Well, well, and a funny thing, too, is, you know, now with social media, if you post stories, it's amazing how often fans will just, you know, come at the media and say, you know, you guys should be more positive and stuff like that but there's a difference between the media and and fans i mean it, the media we will never say we about a team i mean and that's what fans say we mm. as, as though they're part of the team and that's like a big no-no mm -hmm. uh and there's no cheering allowed in the press box that's that's a given so i think sometimes the media gets kind of not attacked isn't the right word but people think that they should be boosters for the mm. teams they cover but really what you should do is is tell what happens and then you know if the company you work for or if your columnist wants analysis that's fine too but uh you're not there to put a positive spin on everything i hear that and i i think teams are respected as well like i we picked up a few credentials um as a podcast and i'll never forget one of my learnings when I was uh, doing a virtual press conference for the PHF, actually, it's end of season, a team had just lost, and I asked the coach about what his thoughts were on the roster for next season. It was probably ill-timed straight after a loss, but <laughs> I'd rather ask a question like that than, you know, something fluffy. Yes, exactly. Well, on, on, the, on that same note, do you find that social media journalism is becoming a problem? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not on a full-time beat in this days of social media because just the anonymous and not, not anonymous uh, you know, comments you get can be very, very evil and uh, personal 
and there's just like no place for that but then a lot of the people don't understand sometimes what the job is they think it's just fun you're going to watch a game but man it, it can be stressful I'll give you an example Monday the the I went to the cover the Jets Carolina game and and the Jets were up three nothing and then in the last five minutes uh, Carolina scores three goals ties it up goes to overtime Josh Moore she scores the winner 210 into overtime I mean you basically when you're a reporter you, you love it when the score is pretty lopsided you know close to the end of the game so you're already writing your story mm -hmm. so it, it's so stressful to be accurate and then you have to file your what's called running copy story with the highlights within a minute or two after the game. And then you go down, then you have to go to the dressing room and get quotes and then come upstairs and, and uh, you know, rewrite your story to add the quotes. Like it's not, it's not easy. And sometimes I wish fans and, and, and players could get more of a realistic look at, at what the job is. Mm-hmm. For sure, for, for sure. And I mean, sure, you do sports journalism now, and to a certain degree, that's a little bit lighter in most cases than traditional, say, you know, dramatic news journalism and such. But what kind of fact-checking and checks and balances do you go through before your story goes out? Well, I, you know, I, I obviously read it, but I'll, but I'll tell you what, I just, there will be times when... I'll have to send in a correction because after I've filed it, I've noticed that I've maybe made a typo or, you know what, today I did uh, the Mike O'Shea story and there is a quote that I meant to include and then I didn't include it. And then after it was filed, uh, the editor had changed a couple words. And so if I had used that quote, it would have contradicted what he said. So you know what? I contacted him and uh, we put the quote in and made a couple changes and uh, it was sent out again. So I try to fact check myself and then luckily the Canadian press has uh, editors. So that's good. But the one thing about Canadian press, I mean, I'm their uh, freelance sports stringer in Winnipeg. They have full-time people in Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, and then freelancers um, in the other major cities. And the Canadian press is like a wire service. So it has clients like newspapers, um, websites, and then the Associated Press in the States is the same kind of thing for the U.S., but they also use the Canadian press stories. So, you know what, you know that once your story goes out, I'll see mine on TSN, Sportsnet, uh, in different newspapers. So, man, if you see an error that you've made, uh, yeah, you, you send in a correction because it's out there on the internet, like forever, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, uh, you try to do the fact-checking yourself. Uh, but invariably, you know, you might have a typo or a stat that's that's wrong. And so you, you correct it. And luckily on the Internet, you know, they can send out a correction and it's done. But once it's in the paper, it's in the paper. That's right. Yeah. Now, Judy, you've been across the, the Winnipeg and the, I guess the Manitoba at large sporting landscape for, for a while. 
one of the greatest hockey players to come from Manitoba is Olympian goaltender Sammy Joe Small, who's also the president of the Toronto Six. Uh, my question is, do, do you think we could one day see a, a PHF team out in Winnipeg? Do they? Is there an appetite for that there? You know, I'm not too sure. Like right now, there are a lot of sports teams uh, in Winnipeg, you know, vying for that same dollar. And I mean, there's the Jets, there's the Bombers, there's the Winnipeg Ice, which uh, is doing just excellent. There's the Valor Soccer. I'm not too sure if there would be an appetite for a, a women's league. I'm just not too sure. Fair enough. I mean, we're in Toronto, so we're in a bit of a bubble. We only we only hear about Toronto sports, I and mean, as as the Argos have found out, they they they're struggling to get a look in too. So. We don't always hear about what's going on in other cities, but um, I mean there always is interest when, the, you know, the national team plays, and you know, same with women's soccer when they've had some games here. I've covered a couple of them with Desiree Scott, but whether it could be sustained, you know, on a, you know, weekly game basis for a few months of the year, I'm just not too sure. Fair enough. And just on the the team, uh, Valor, they've been in the league for uh, a handful of seasons now. How's that been going on Winnipeg? You know, I, I don't cover it because for Canadian press, most of my stories kind of have to have a national focus to them. But I know Ed Tate that I mentioned was a senior writer for the Bombers. He also does the, the Valor team. So, you know, it, it gets its coverage. It, it gets... Um, trying to think of what the attendance is, a decent at attendance. I mean, they're not going to fill IG field, but yeah. And I, I think things like the world cup help with that too, though they didn't have a very good season this year. That's all right. There's always next season. <laughs> That's, That's the beauty a of sports, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You've always got that second chance. Right. That's that's what it comes down to. And it doesn't matter how many times you fail, you got one chance to succeed at some point. You got to love it. And that's why fans are dedicated. Yeah. Now, Judy, where can people reach you? Do you use your own social medias? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter it, uh, at Sporty Judy Owen. That's the easiest way to, to reach me. All right. Perfect. Now, we do have a couple of questions that we tend to ask uh, most of our guests, one of which I'm almost certain, given you're from Winnipeg, that you've experienced, but we're going to ask it anyways. Have you ever had a poutine? Yes, I have. I actually, when I covered the Bombers, I have had a poutine in Montreal. Oh, and was it was it better than what you had in your hometown of Winnipeg? I can't recall, but you know what? <laughs> I love any kind of poutine. Although, boy, they have this, I think it's, they have a poutine week here where they have some crazy, crazy toppings. I don't like the poutine that has, like, meat on the topping. I, I'm more, let's go authentic and just have the cheese curds. Uh, yeah. I'm, with I'm with you there. I'm with you there. It's all about the authenticity. It is. <laughs> I, I won't lie. I like to have been a, I like the novelty of having something added to the poutine, so... I probably won't be popular in Quebec, but c'est la vie, c'est la vie. <laughs> it's um, all about the gravy. It's all about the flavor of the gravy. It is. That is very true. It, it binds it. It brings it together. It helps to melt the cheese. <laughs> the, the gravy is an underrated component. One last question, because 
I noticed that you you also have a lot to do with cottages. So tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, I've uh, I used to be the editor of the Cottager magazine, which covered Manitoba and northwestern Ontario. So yeah, I spend a, a lot of time at my cottage, and because I'm freelance, I have you know some free time. So in the summer, I spend my uh, my time at my Victoria Beach cottage, and I come in to cover the bombers. So it's a pretty pretty sweet deal. There we go, and um. You go out to the cottage in winter? You know what? We are insulated, but only heated by a wood stove. So if it gets colder than minus 10 at night, we tend not to go. Plus, uh, they turn off the municipal water to that cottage area uh, just after Thanksgiving. So you have to bring your own uh, jugs of water. Now, we were thinking of going to the cottage this weekend with a plus two and it's Getting down to, I think, minus nine or something, but uh, something else came up. So, unfortunately, we're going to stay in the city. Fair enough. I'm sure there'll be lots to do nonetheless. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience. Where no sport is left behind.